Okay, so um, Howard, uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, so the first question I have to ask you, I, have to, I ask everybody, and that is, and I, but I already know the answer, but that's okay. Uh, what do you think of the monarchy? I think the monarchy is great. All our uh, military services swear allegiance to the monarch. Our uh, legal system yeah, swears allegiance to the monarch. And yet the irony of it is that the monarch actually has absolutely no power whatsoever. Yeah. But it's just a figurehead. And when I look at, uh, over the years, the various presidents and dictators that the world, various countries in the world have had, I really don't think there's any better system. A lot of people think that monarchy costs us a lot of money. The amount of money I think that the monarchy generates through tourism is enormous. Um, and, you know, you think of the cost of uh, electing a president every four or five years, depending on what, what should we ever go down that route? Should, should that happen? Is going to be enormous. And, um, you know, the president's still going to have to have official residences and somewhere official to live. Um, and uh, my understanding is, although the Queen does get um, something, what it's called at the moment, but quite a hefty allowance, mm. a lot of income from her estate goes straight to the government. And, and do you think um, that it's going to, the monarchy's here to stay? Do you? No, I think I, I don't think even in even my lifetime I've seen enough change to think that you know uh, where human nature and way of life is concerned, nothing is going to sort of necessarily be served. I mean, if you look at the princes, they're so popular and they're popular with the young. Well, yeah, that, that's a big bonus because is <clears throat> the young people. Um, and nothing against the young people today who possibly see absolutely no relevance in the monarchy whatsoever. Um, well, it's interesting you say that. Um, I don't, as you, you know, you probably, you probably know I've often spoken to you about uh, at school, we've had the, it sort of, it sort of died a death really, but um, we've had to educate the children on British values. Um, and this is something that Michael Gove uh, you know, um, um, brought in yeah. to education when he was education secretary. It, it was a complete pain. The, the main problem with it was that no one really came up with anything of what Britain is, what Britain really stands for, like the values of Britain. And so what we did as a school, we, we sort of did a bit of a survey with children, we did a survey with their parents, we did the survey with the governors, the staff, and you had so many different viewpoints on what British values were. But the one the one constant was the monarchy, alongside fish and chips, was, was a big <laughs> one. <laughs> Seriously, it was fish and chips and the monarchy. So the children, I think the children do get the monarchy, but don't, they know, they know the monarchy's there. Yeah, yeah. Probably don't have an understanding of where they stand politically, or in theory they don't stand anywhere politically, but they're still the top of the tree in regarding they connect don't they the religion and and yes. politics yes as, absolutely. As such. absolutely and they don't probably get that but i th i think a lot of um 
adults don't get that. No, possibly not. I think actually it's very interesting you saying that you uh, you did this survey and very interesting with uh, what people came up with, fish and chips and the monarchy. And uh, yeah, I think that, that's very good indeed. I think, again, during my lifetime, and uh, there are an awful lot of pros about this, is the number of migrants that have taken place in our society and, ha- and are now part mm. of our society. In a way, perhaps it is monarchy that is going to unite us even more because it's the one... Um, I, I think it's an attraction, but I don't know if it's... I still don't think you can class the, the, the monarchy as a value, a British value. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's something that we have. In a it's, way. An, it's an institution, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the other words that came up was the word tolerant. We have tolerance in this country, and, I, and I'm like, I don't think we do have tolerance in this country. And tolerant, being tolerant is a, is a bad explanation, a bad descriptive of what we are in this country, because we don't want to be tolerant. We want to be inclusive, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Because to, to, to be tolerant to... It yes, means, you can tolerate something doesn't mean to say you're, you're <laughs> going to bring it on board, you know. Uh, no. But it was a big thing that came through, you know. I think at the end of that exercise, I was like, for me, probably, you're looking at values, in the, whether you would agree with them or not, you probably could say the political system possibly would definitely not, because democracy isn't a value just is not a British value, so you can't say democracy. Oh, no, no. Um, but maybe the legal system. Everyone tries to get yes. a legal system around the world. Yes. And that's, yes. I mean, obviously there's miscarriages of justice and stuff yes, like that. Obviously. We know that. But you'd have to say we have a pretty good legal system. Yeah, I think so. But then, you know, I'm sort of, um, <laughs> I'm British through and through. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, NHS. Yeah, which I've spoken before on this pod. Yeah, the NHS is has to be an envy around the world. It does, and it gets uh, it gets slated here in this country, and in some regards, you can see right. Um, well, you and I both have had recent we've, experience uh, recent, in the hospital, yeah, very, and and because of all that experience, and it's been in the last six months or so, you, you couldn't get better going in private. No, um, I think sometimes you actually get worse going. <laughs> it's more expensive. <laughs> it's definitely more expensive. But I mean, and, you know, I get the thing about all the beds in the corridors and we see that and that's, and of course. But when you can blame the system, but you just blame, you can blame whatever you want for that, really. But the people in that system are amazing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't blame anybody. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, yes, it, you could say it's under his source, but where are you going to draw the line? Um, where are you going to stop spending money? Because it's, there's only a finite amount of money that uh, mm. the general public will be prepared to pay in taxes. You start taxing too heavily. Yeah, I mean, there just seems a lot of middle management in. Well, I would tend to agree with in that. The, in the trusts, I suppose. I don't know. I, don't that's, know what's I mean, here I'm coming from background of ignorance because I don't know. I'm going from hearsay, which sounds to me, uh, it, I've always felt that it's far too much 
management. You know, too many officers and not enough soldiers, basically, yeah. chiefs and Indians. Yeah. Um, but you see, I, I don't know, going on behind the scenes, there obviously is an awful lot of administration that does have to be done to keep the front line working well mm. so i don't know no but um i do i personally feel but in a way i feel that we might do better with more slightly smaller to encourage more of a team yeah. spirit within the staff and the general atmosphere yeah but um well, I think you've been in so often now. Uh, <laughs> uh, between us, I do believe they've got their own Cheswick Ward. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I think we'll just go in and go. Hi, you in again? Yeah, yeah I'm on yeah. the Christmas card. List. You're on the Christmas card <laughs> list, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, right. So, uh, welcome back. We just want to talk, I want to talk today, really, uh, to you, Howard, about governors. Right. And um, obviously, I know a lot of governors, and I could have had a number of governors here. But the reason I really wanted you um, is because I want to sort of tap into your experience as a governor, which happened a very long time ago. My theory is. I don't think much has changed. I don't think it's changed at all. But maybe there's a bit more. I, d I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who's recently passed away, uh, John Taylor Gatto. He was, uh, he was asked to sit. He's an American. He was asked to sit before the Senate committee. I think it was Edward Kennedy was the chair. And they were talking about education. And he's in a, John Taylor Gatto, is, he, he used to be... Uh, New York's Teacher of the Year, two years on the trot, and you know, and then he he sort of woke up one morning, thought what he was doing was wrong, the way he was, you mm -hmm. know, that we teach children. Um, anyway, they were just asking him for his, you know, what did he think? And the question that Edward Kennedy said to him was, um, "Where do you think education will be in ten years' time?" And Gatto said, "Unfortunately, I think it's going to be exactly where it is now, as it was ten years before that, and ten years before that, because nothing seems to change in education." I just wondered if the governing body is the same. I don't know. Right. Well, the governing body, in my opinion now, is totally different. Responsibility mm. of governors today is, is vast compared to when I first um, uh, went on to the governing body. I think it, it's interesting. I'll just do a little bit of a backtrack here that uh, when, um, when I knew that uh, Sheila was pregnant and we were going to have a child I began to start looking into education at the time there was the debate very seriously about changing over to comprehensive schools mm. and um, I the more I looked into it the more I was sold on the idea of good comprehensive schools uh, we won't go into the fact that it was implemented in such a slipshod way that some of them were a failure before they even started, really. But uh, anyhow... Definitely nothing's changed there. <laughs> that's for sure. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing is that um, the little village we live in uh, and lived in 
had a village school, but also we had a very large, in those days, very large council estate. And most of the children from the council estate went to the village school. And um, Sheila wanted uh, Jane to go to the one in the village next door at Cuddam. She wanted Jane to go to Cuddam school. And I was very much against that. I felt that Jane should be with the children she was going to be growing up with in her own village. Uh, And in fact, all three of my children did go to the village school. But to add to that, what I did promise Sheila was that I would do everything in my power to make sure that I, um, what can I say, showed an interest in my children's education. Yeah. And so what happened was that when a PTA was formed, I didn't even know what a PTA was. At the first meeting, I found myself at the front asking a few questions. And by the time the meeting was over, I found myself as uh, uh, found a chair of the uh, down yeah. PTA. Now, now, thing is, Howard, I do know this story. Can you just delve into that a little bit deeper of how that happened? Well, just just basically that uh, I was, uh, as I say, we'd arrived late. Yeah. Sheila had insisted that we go. I was a bit indifferent about it. And I sat at the front. And um, as I say, no one seemed to be asking any questions. So I started to. And then uh, the chair of governors, uh, Mrs. Black, who was also a JP, actually, but uh, she sort of said, well, now we've got to form a committee who would like to be on the committee and absolutely no one put their hands up yeah. In- including Sheila including Sheila yeah. who <laughs> insisted that I went along <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she said alright well let's do the other way who definitely will not serve on a committee and a forest of hands went up yeah. including Sheila's including Sheila's yeah. yeah and then she said well can we have a show of hands of all those who <laughs> didn't put their hand up <laughs> And about 10 of us sheepishly put our hands up. Yeah. I, I was just a little myth that Sheila had dragged me out. And <laughs> yeah. here we were, we'd come to this meeting. Yeah. And uh, so anyhow, that's what happened. And uh, before, as I say, knew what happened, then someone at the back said, I propose Howard Cheswick as chairman. And that was carried by the meeting. And, and um, all of a sudden, so I had to go to the library and find out what a PTA was and how to be a chairman. But yeah. um it was interesting. So that's where I started off. And then from there, uh, in about 1978, 79, yeah. parent governors came in. Mm-hmm. And the first parent governors were, as they are still today, I believe, elected. Yeah. And so I was one of the first parent governors to actually be elected. Right. So jumping off as... I, I, I only remained as chair of governors for two years because I felt very strongly that you need to have change of blood, mm. um, and uh, although it was a bit of a fight, I wanted to stand down after the first year, mm. but the governors <laughs> insisted that I did. Yeah, I, and the head teacher? And the head teacher, yes. Did, it, yeah. it actually had gone very well, actually. Yeah, yeah. because I, you know, obviously as a head teacher myself, um, I, I, if, if you don't have that, if you are at a school and you are not going to get on with your head, uh, with your your chair governors, it's it, it can be uh, oh it's yeah. well it can and often will be a disaster. Yes, uh, I'm very lucky. I've uh, um, last school when I was in Lambeth 
we had an amazing chair governors. And as head teacher now, I have an amazing chair governors. Mm. And who has who has got me out of, out of a lot of trouble? To mm. be honest, you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't for him, I I don't think I'd be in this post now. And so you just end up respecting each other, and it's it's so so important. Um, I mean, I went for a job interview once as a head teacher, and halfway through the interview, said I no longer wanted to be considered because I just didn't like the chair of governors that. She was just uh, very rude. In fact, all three of us at that interview pulled out, you know, because it just wouldn't. Yeah. If he's not going to work a day on an interview, it definitely isn't going to work, you know. No, it's a future relationship. It just won't happen. No, I I agree very strongly on that, that um, uh, with the various uh, teachers, because in all I was on the governing body for 13 years as chair. Well, not as chair for all that time, but I, I, I was chair after about three years. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I always felt that it was very, very important to work very closely with the head. We might have disagreements, but having said that, it was our job to work through it so that when we came to a governor's meeting, and I, I, I used to do quite a lot of... Um, if you like, canvassing behind the scenes of the mm. governors before the governors' meetings because to get across how I and the head felt. It's always good, isn't it, to have a meeting before the meeting? Oh, I'm absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. it is because, yeah. you know, um, and the other thing I found very, very handy is because you know what it is, you get various different papers. Now. Yeah. That, again, I would ring up various uh, members of the governing body and say, you know, what do you think about this? And it was very interesting. Although perhaps I had flicked through the the various papers, I perhaps haven't read them in the detail. But the things that one or two of them brought up made you study it and look at it a little bit better so that you were brief. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The other funny thing, you see, uh, Chair, as on the governing body, not only then did I find myself on the governing body of when I was elected of Down Primary School, Mm. but I was on the governing body of four other schools. So I was on the governing body of five schools. Oh, wow. Um, and they were the four Biggin Hill schools. There was yeah. Main Road, Primary, Main Road, Infants. Yeah. Uh, no, Main Road, Primary, Main yeah. Road, Juniors. Juniors, yeah. Uh, the Oaklands Lane, Juniors and Oaklands Lane, in, uh, yeah. Infants. Um, and when we used to have, because we have five heads, so the heads used to sit outside the room and one by one come in and give a report, <laughs> which is so. So they had about a ten-minute report. I mean, really, it was uh, it, it, by today's standards quite farcical, really. Yeah. But of course, most of the uh, running of the schools was done then by the local authority, mm. who had their fingers pretty much on the button. Button. Yeah. And again, I found that. Um, uh, the local authority were very, very helpful if I had any queries about tricky mm. problems or anything like that, that they were, they were first class, that I could get them on the phone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, certainly when I was a teacher, I, I was, I never sort of really had much positiveness, positive things to say about governors because I didn't really know 
I didn't really get to see them. No. But it was always, it was always like, well, you know, they're, they're just lay people. What do they know about education and, and stuff like that? But then as you, as I sort of went up and got promoted and, and certainly as a deputy, um, you know, going back to the, my school in Lambeth, it was just the most amazing governing body. They mm. just knew what was going on. They really knew their stuff. Um, and, and the school where I am now, the governing body is good. And again, I've got a chair of governors that knows his stuff. And I just think it's, it's so important that governors know what they're doing. It is. I think actually what you've just described over your, what, 20, 20 years? years now. 20 yeah. years. Because I'm only 38. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're way laughing now, don't you? You're almost <laughs> describing the the growth in responsibility of the governing mm. body. Mm. Um, I, uh, on one occasion, met Mr. Baker, he of the... Uh, As in Baker days, Mr. Baker. In Baker days. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Uh, and I said to him that uh, I thought that it was, uh, well, that he, with with the idea of introducing all these parent governors, was handing over responsibility to a load of amateurs, more or less what you have just said. Right. Uh, he said, oh, no, 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 he said, not at all. He said, you know, on the governing body, you'll have solicitors, you'll have accountants, you'll have professionals, this, that and the other. I felt very strongly that my feeling was that most of the uh, people that he mentioned would not actually have time to sit on yeah. governing bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, fortunately, I've been proved wrong as the, as the responsibility has grown. I think definitely the calibre of governors has grown with it. Mm. They've become far more aware of what, what, what is uh, needed. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I say, that was just a chance meeting at a, um, an exhibition or something. That yeah. Several of us have gone up to see and he happened to be there. And, because uh, there was talk, wasn't there, um, recently-ish, when I say recently, I think when Nikki Morgan was uh, Education Secretary, she the little veiled sort of like threat that uh, they were going to dis, dis, um, dispense of, of, of governors and there was a little bit of a, or they're going to have less power, then there was a little bit of an right. uproar about that, but right. that hasn't happened. And because at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't know what other system... Would work. I mean, you've got to be you've got to be accountable. The head teacher has to be accountable to someone. So, whenever the chair governor comes into my school, and the children's well, the children at my school really know the chair governors, mm. and they say hello to him. You know, they know what he does. But, but I say to them, he's my boss in in theory because mm. he's the one I'm answerable to. Yeah. yeah, more so than my learning trust or the you know local mm. authority. It will always be to my chair governors if if. You know, um, something comes up. He he's the one I would phone first, um, and that I just think that level of responsibility for a chair governor is huge. Oh, it's vast. I you know I um I certainly um shudder to think what kind of job I'd have made now with the responsibility that is placed on a chair. I was very much a rubber stamp. Well, very. it's funny you should say that, Howard. 
and I'm sure you wasn't, but I was just looking because <laughs> you're going to laugh now because <laughs> I thought I'm just going to, because clearly I do know what the roles and responsibilities for school gunners are as a head teacher, but I thought I'd just check it up anyway, just yeah. to be sure. Um, it's interesting. So the governing board, as, they, as the DFE website calls it here, so they're accountable. Um, well, okay. Uh, Governing boards are accountable to parents, the local community, and the local authority or the trustees. Okay. Appointments are three for three or usually for four years. Um, and the number one main role for governors is to raise pupils' standards of education. Right. That's, yeah. yeah. But you're actually accountable for the performance of the school to parents and the wider community. Uh, the governing board plans the school future direction selects the head teacher, makes decisions on the school's budget and staffing, including the performance management policy, makes sure the agreed curriculum is well taught, decides how the school can encourage pupils' spiritual, moral and cultural development, makes sure the school provides for all pupils, including those with special needs. And then it says, hold on, where is it? Then it says, they are not there just to rub a stamp. That's what it says. <laughs> that's what it says. But that's such an interesting one because when it says that list I've just reeled off there, none of that's done without the head teacher or with the SLT. That's, that's all a team. I mean, apart from selecting the head teacher, obviously, selecting the head teacher is the most important job they do. Yeah. Well, the most important decision yeah. they have to yeah. make. Yeah. Um, I mean, makes decisions on the school's budget, but again, it's with advice from your school business manager. You, they couldn't make those decisions. Yes, you see, yeah, I mean, the whole structure's changed mm. because, um, well, basically, the local authority would tell us who we could and couldn't interview. Basically, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, tell me a bit more about that. Oh no, just basically, I remember putting forward um, uh, a lady who was. Um, um, Afro-American, she was absolutely brilliant teacher, Uh, and at a little village school in uh, in Kent, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, When we when when the head teacher came up, I said to her, "Have you thought of standing?" And she hadn't, but she did actually. But I was told, you know, even if you select her, we won't. uh, And they gave you no reason for that. No, didn't. I think, actually, looking back, she didn't actually do well on the interview, to be honest with you. Right. That we actually had an outstanding candidate mm. who, who did superbly on the interview and subsequently pulled the school up by its bootstraps. Right. So, yeah. yes, so the governing body made the right choice in the finish, put me in a, personally in a difficult position because I had persuaded her because I, I didn't think we had the breadth of... Um, of candidates, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, but anyhow, as I say, so they still had quite a say. Well, they had considerable say in who we, who, well, who we interviewed for a yeah. start. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, obviously, I've experienced that myself, having, before, yeah. I, got my, before I got my head chip. I'm not joking. I must have gone for, uh, I, I lost count of the amount of head chip posts I applied for. Yeah. And I could hear, I really could hear all of those learning trust going, no, no, no not him, no, not him. But it's understandable. But um, I'm sure that happened. I'm not so sure that it happens now. 
Um, certainly the processes that I am aware of. Um, again, I think it goes down, you know, it's back that, that they have a bit more confidence in the governing body. Oh, I think um, so. And you know what you must remember is that they have confidence, in it, but the yeah. confidence of the governing bodies has grown. Yes. And also yeah. the, the knowledge of the governing bodies has grown. Yeah. They, you know, I think, um, well, you know, my daughter Jane was chair of governors for, yes. uh, for some time. Yeah. And I, I am in awe yeah. of her, and yeah. was in awe of her understanding and, uh, mm. and uh, well, all the technicalities and everything. She, what we'll do, what we'll do, Howard, we'll, we'll, um, we we'll delete what you've just said because if she hears this, we're n- we are literally we're not we're not going to hear the end of it. No, we won't. Uh, uh, we'll have to talk about Susie in a moment too, yeah. just to just to balance things up a little bit. I think, but yeah, yeah. Sue also for a short time served on governing body, believe it or not. Oh, did she? So like, yeah, like oh, there you go. like father, like daughter, yeah. or like daughter, like father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one failure is Dave at the moment. <laughs> Banished from the country, basically, isn't he? Yeah. Until he sorts himself out. Absolutely, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I know when I was, when I finally got an appointment as a head teacher, when I was being interviewed, obviously you want to impress the governing body, but I knew there was two, two members from the, from the, the trust, uh, one director of education, and uh, I knew they were the ones that I, I had to impress. Mm. There's no, mm. you know, yeah. the, the, no question. Yeah. I think that's one of the disadvantages of the, um, uh, of the sort of local authority. In a way, it can become politicised. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of someone throws up a black mark, then it's never forgot sort of thing. Yeah. I, and and I, the black I, mark... Can I just tell you that's true? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's pretty obvious. Um, I was called by the chair of governors of Bromley many, and the chair of the education committee rather many years ago by Bromley, uh, a socialist rebel. Um, you were called a socialist rebel. I was rebel. called a socialist. Howard, I'm very, very proud I of know, you. I just, well, I, I happened to <laughs> demonstrate that Bromley at the time wanted to go for five or six super selective schools. Right. And I was very much in favour of the comprehensive system. And I felt that was just totally ridiculous to either have the uh, the uh, the comprehensive system, or you yeah. have the yeah. secondary modern grammar system, which you start uh, getting. I mean, digressing slightly, yeah, because you brought it up. Are you are you in favour of comprehension uh, comprehensive schools now? Uh, I I think so, but I, I must add a little bit of a caveat to that because I think <clears throat> that for me, an ideal comprehensive school. Is a school where children are taken in and put into their classes but are streamed then for various lessons mm. rather than children that are put into classes because they're already streamed so that you have all the intelligent kids in mm. class one mm. or A or B or whatever. It's. Yeah. <clears throat> I like the idea of the mixed, uh, mixed, Variety, if you like, and unfortunately, at um, at Charles Darwin, that's the system they operated, so that all the kids were were allocated uh, a class, and then for their lessons they mm. were streamed, yeah. so that the kids would meet up as a class and then go off to their individual yeah. ability lessons. It's, right? it's an interesting one because um, 
I really should have an opinion on this mm-hmm. because, as you know, I, ha- <laughs> I have an opinion on everything. But I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about the comprehensive. I really don't know. And I, I, feel, that, I feel that I should be going, no, 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 no. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. And I, I think if it wasn't for Brexit, we would ha- be having this conversation around comprehensive schools being pushed. If she hadn't, if, if Theresa May hadn't done as bad as she did in, in the, that last election, because they were going to push for that. Mm. Uh, and they haven't. They've now held back, and I can't mm. see it happening for some time. But I genuinely don't know what I think about the comprehensive system. And it's always been this anti-socialist thing, hasn't it, that not to have the comprehensive I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. Um, what I would say about education in any school, I mean, I, I went to a really rough and tough school, secondary school. Um, and, um, but at the time, I didn't know it was rough and tough. When you look back, wow, I can't believe I went, you know, yeah. went there sort of thing. And, and I, I didn't do very well there at all. But the reason I didn't do very well at that school was because I, me, it was me, yeah. made myself not do very well at that school. It wasn't the teachers. But the other thing I didn't have at that school was parental support. When you look back and, at some of those students that were at that school, they've gone on to great things. Yeah. And, now I truly believe it doesn't matter what school you send your children to, providing, uh, sorry, it, yeah, it doesn't matter what school you send your children to, primary or secondary, that your children will succeed if they have parental support. If they've got home support, they will always succeed. It's, you, could, you could actually send them to the best school in the world. If they don't have parental support, they're not going to do as well. No, I agree totally with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, um, I did mention this to one or two parents and say, you know, never ever criticize your school in front of your children. Yeah. If you have a complaint, bring it to me. Um, yes. But don't go slagging the school off in front of no. your children because they then immediately say, it's not my fault. It's this rotten school you've sent me to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's not the way forward at all. No. Um, No, it's important. I think you you raise an interesting point. I think that the certainly when I grew up, the there was definite stigma with secondary modern as opposed to grammar. So now, as I, uh, you know, uh, realise now that I am and certainly was dyslexic, um, and uh, of course, it wasn't recognised until almost into the eighties. That's right. Um, right. And, uh, you know, my son was diagnosed when he was about 14 as a chronic dyslexic. But up until then, we hadn't uh, uh, realised. And um, so I never did well. And the result was my parents sent me to a a small private school, which um, looking back, I don't know that was any advantage. In fact, in many ways, I think it was a disadvantage. Mm. What way? Um, the, the breadth of curriculum, the interest, I would have liked to have done music, believe it or not, we didn't do music, Mm. you know, that kind of thing, um, sport and that very, very, um, it was only a small private school, but anyhow, okay, it did me, um, 
But um, as I say, so get the stigma. The thing is that I think our whole attitude and perhaps is changing. I, 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 I am almost, well, I am against the, the push that so many youngsters must have a degree. I mean, fine if you want to go on to further education, but almost as you know, degrees the be all and end all. Mm. Um, we we need a lot of skilled um, people. Uh, if you like, well, it sounds wrong to say lower down the ladder, but we need to support industry, to support commerce. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, you know, for every every manager in any department or any boss, there can be hundreds of mm. people supporting that person. All, all in very important roles. And I think that for years and years, the blue-collar workers of this country have been underrated. And I feel very strongly about that. If we can sort of break that mould, and I, in some ways I think we are, um, uh, where, where, you know, sort of the average worker is, is recognised and respected as an essential part of our society. Um, you know, so, um, I, I, that's where I come from on the comprehensive as opposed to grammar yeah. and secondary model. Can I just say, Howard, uh, if I do become prime minister, <laughs> you will be my first pick for education secretary. <laughs> okay. If I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it won't take long. <laughs> yeah. Six months, six months. Um, I rest okay. my case. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a quick break. Okay, so now it's time for Howard's Fave Fab 4 plus 1. It used to be uh, the Fave Fab 5, but I didn't like the format. Uh, so, Howard, you're going to be the first one with this new format, okay? Yes, Just great. going to go through uh, f- your favourite teacher, your favourite book, your favourite film, your favourite piece of music, okay? Um, and then the plus one is uh, what person, uh, alive, dead or alive, I should say, um, um, famous or not, that you would like to invite around for dinner and have a long chat with okay so your favorite teacher Howard? my favorite teacher was uh, a mr best now i only had him in fact for two years and this would have been in about 1950 yeah and the thing about mr best was that he actually was the first young male teacher i had ever had he wow. was he was well so this is secondary school Yes, because this wow. is this is the sort of end of the war, and then teachers beginning to come through right. training after after that. Yeah, and um, it was just so we were the envy of the school that we had this uh, young, uh, I suppose he was a man, perhaps about twenty four, twenty five, um, teacher, and um, might have been a bit older, and he just. Uh, well, he went to our hearts, quite honestly. We, yeah. were, we, we were fantastic. So had fought in the war? Do you know or not? I don't know. I would have thought just caught the tail end of it, I'd have thought. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. And he taught what? Um, maths. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was also quite a badminton player, apparently. But he didn't last long at the school, so I think he would have moved on to something else. I think uh, 
perhaps he decided either he wanted to move to a bigger school or a better school or mm. that education wasn't for him. I know we were absolutely gutted when he left. You see, this is what I love about education. Um, we're talking about 1950s here mm. and you still remember that teacher. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, he he almost for the first time in my education, if you like, it seemed to me that we here was a teacher who actually related to his pupils. Yeah. Rather yeah, than teachers who were there just to teach you. But just then, just for the not just there for the job. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But of course uh, again, um a lot of the teachers, of course, that we had were poor devils who'd been dragged back f from retirement. Yeah. And, of course, then you look back and some of them, of course, had learnt their teaching in the Victorian era. Yeah, of course. So, of course, it was a totally different yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Mr Best sticks out very much in my mind. <laughs> His first name wasn't George by any chance, no, was it? No, 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 no. no. no but, uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a good bloke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, your favourite book? My favourite book, yes, Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. Oh, that is a great choice, Howard. Yeah. I tell you why I, I tell I tell you why it's so good interviewing you. Because and this is a compliment, Howard. <laughs> this is a backhanded compliment. Yeah, right. I wish I hadn't started this now. When you reach the mature age that you have, yeah. There's so many books you've probably read. So oh, it's yes. really difficult to come up with the your favourite book. But tell me about this book. Well, it takes it's, it's set or the prologue starts in the eleven twenties mm. uh, when the white ship in which uh, Prince William, the son of Henry the ah. First, was sailing across the Channel and sank. And sank, yeah. Now, there's it's not a major thing of the book, but it, it's quite important because it implies that there could have been intrigue. And, I already want to read that book now yeah. because, of, because of that. I didn't know that was in the um, book. Okay. But actually, and then really it's the st story of building a cathedral. Yeah. And it's the story of the Masons, of the uh, Lords and uh, of the, uh, um, the area, the, uh, the squires of the area, the abbots and the bishops, the political intrigues, the, the, um, well, they're just vying for, for if you like, uh, um, supremacy. Uh, terrible time, really. Mm. But it's also mm. very interesting because you also look at it and it was about in the 1100s that Salisbury Cathedral was started and um, Fountains Abbey was started. So right. it was a great time for building mm -hmm. and... Um, they uh, actually, sorry, I might be wrong there, Chichester Cathedral, I think, rather than Salisbury. But anyhow, we're not mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so interesting, but a wonderful, wonderful story. Mm. Um, and in fact, I think... Is it a trilogy? There is a trilogy, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So it's not all covered in one book, but Pillars of the Earth is a very substantial book. And really, I mean, it makes you want to read the next 600 pages, as it were, but yeah. that's in book two. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it's... Sorry, just everyone, there. May, you may hear, be hearing voices outside. <laughs> Someone's having an argument outside. Oh, we, right. I live in a very rough neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, as I say, I, I think it, it's wonderful. It sort of, uh, there's everything in there. And I just marvel at someone who can have so many threads going through their minds yeah. And, yeah. and do it. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Your favourite film? My favourite film, again, when you re- reach the mature age that I do. <laughs> um, oh, I have. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go for something, in a way, you could almost say mundane, but it's. Um, I like the personalities, the uh, relationships with it, and it's just good fun and it's a good rollick, and that was Notting Hill. With Notting the, Hill, yeah. okay, that has surprised. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought long and hard about it. Yes. There, there are a lot of them, but that I, has surprised me, but yeah, in a pleasant way. Okay, I, I think uh, yes, you know Hugh Grant and uh, Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts, yeah. and of course Julia reminds me of my daughter Jane. Well, I'm so pleased you've said that because yeah. someone said to me the other day um, about Jane. We seem to have spoken a lot about Jane in yeah, this yeah. pod. It's uh, she's going to be thrilled. Uh, who how would i describe and i said well let's not go there but i can tell you who she who how she in regards to who she looks like she or definitely reminds me of and that is julia roberts yeah yeah she's gonna love this isn't she i hate to say it but um in um oh what was the richard Gere film with her that that is almost Jane. Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yeah. He's almost Jane to a T in character as well. I mean, don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> now, that is funny because it's funny you should say that too because when I first met Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's it. I think the, the, the characters, the relationship, and of course, the wonderful Spiky. Yes. Uh, I mean, absolutely, you know, sort of. Yeah. Lovely performances, yeah. lovely. Well, it was just a, a fun film. Yeah. Reminds you of Dave. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. And your favourite piece of music? Music's been a great passion of mine, and I've played the trombone for years. Um, and I did say, and I think I might go with it, um, one of the most thrilling experiences when I was in the Air Force, I was, uh, during my basic training, I was in the band and we were a very big band there were nearly 70 of us and we did the battle of britain parade marching through birmingham and in the sousa march the thunderer uh, the trombones get the tune at one stage and the thrill of playing uh, while marching uh, it was just absolutely wonderful but any Sousa march, we played all the Sousa marches because they were such good arrangements to play. And as the personnel of that band changed every week as various different intakes went through, uh, we tended to sort of stick to very much the same repertoire. Mm. And uh, so I would go for the Thunderer or more or less any Sousa march. march. And that's and that's the good thing about music, isn't it? Like, I mean, there's so much music I like and it always... I use it to remind me of a place I used to be or it's yes. a memory, yeah. you know, and yeah. that music then b- brings back smells and feelings for me. It's, it's quite Absolutely. amazing. I think um, very much any of the Sousa marches will bring back the memory of a particular bandsman at the time because when yeah. we were rehearsing, we used to mess about quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. just the way some would roll their eyes or whatever if we, if we were not actually in sort of formation yeah. but just yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just rehearsing and uh yeah no that's a lovely so, that's lovely howard um now this is the this is your you're the first now uh you're you're plus one who would you invite to oh to yes dinner? right that's got to be my 
great-great-grandfather. And he was Joseph William Cheswick. Yeah. We think he was born in 1786-1787. Yeah. He died in 1870. Um, he was married a couple of times. So, so this is great. This is because I know that you've, you've recently been looking back yes. at your family tree, haven't you? So, you know, I have, yes. Got, a friend yeah. of mine has helped me research. Well, he's done most of the research, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sparked off by our visit to, to France. To France. Oh, to that is the lovely. war graves yeah. uh, of my uh, great uncle yeah. who died in 1917. Yeah. And that sparked off me wanting to know more. That was an amazing trip. Um, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lovely. And um, But getting back to Joseph here, um, I think it's very interesting because uh, I have this uh, certificate uh, from the press master um, uh, in the City of London saying he mustn't be pressed into service in the Royal Navy because he's a mate on a brig, mm-hmm. the Dove, out of um, Poole. Um, uh, <clears throat> and that's dated 1814. And I think it's very interesting because he would have actually carried this piece of paper so, around So for our younger listeners, yeah, um, because we've clearly got thousands of listeners yeah. here, what's, what's pressing? What, what pressing right, yes, pressing. What, how did that work? Well, pressing was when uh, um, naval vessels landed, mm. if they were short of crew... Mm they would send out literally parties of seamen who would literally kidnap people and bring them back to the boat. And of any, of then, what, then they had to serve. Any age or what sort of? Any age, any right. age, unless they had some form of identification. Yeah. yeah. So it was quite dangerous to be in pubs. This was, of course, the time of the Napoleonic Wars. Right. So, right. I mean, Nelson had died in uh, 1805, mm-hmm. but, um, of course, the war was still going on. Of course, actually ended in 1814 with the Battle of Waterloo. Yes. Have yep. I got the date right? 1815? 1815, 18... I think, yeah. the Battle of Waterloo. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, he's got that to say that he can't be pressed as he's already a, a seaman. So that I, I feels quite interesting. Yeah. But the thing I'd like to talk to him about really is we uh, the, I've based the date that he was born, 1786-87, because on this press master's certificate, it says aged about 35. So in other words, he didn't know his own age. Yeah, yeah. But also got his marriage certificates. He was married twice, mm-hmm. uh, one wife dying, and um, uh, that marriage was childless as far as I can make out. Second marriage, he had several children. But um, both of those certificates, he and his wife have signed with a cross. So, in other words, they presumably were illiterate. Yeah, right. And wow. then you look at sort of his spread of, of life from uh, 17, the 1780s to the 1870s. Mm. And, of course, he would have seen, he would have been a sailor sailing the old square riggers and that kind of thing. But he would have seen the advent of steamships beginning to come. Yeah, he yeah. would have seen the advent of the railways. Yeah. And because he's in both cases, he's married in Southwark. So although the ship he was on at the time was apparently out of Pool Harbour, um, and so he obviously got about a bit, but it would just be interesting to find out how he lived and what he thought of the times he lived in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so how, how how long did he? What, what was his? Uh, when did he pass away? He passed away in eighteen seventy. Right. Okay. He was eighty four. Or we right. think about eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Have the death certificate for yeah. him. But again, it's vague as to say. So he was your great 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 grandfather. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's it's just so interesting that. Uh, very interesting time. And, and of course, the thing is this, that then I look at my lifetime, mm. um, the changes that have happened during my lifetime, and yet in a funny sort of way, you, you accept it all. So, Well, you do, and it is quite amazing because, um, uh, I mean, you clearly were not born in 1901, but if you think about just flight, for example. Oh, yes from where that began to where we are now. Oh, absolutely. Or well, just think about, you know, in your... In your, my lifetime. In your lifetime, yeah. where they were in... F- the 30s. To now, it's... it's mm. Well, even up to... You could go up to the ni- 1969, can't you? The land on the moon, you know? Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Oh, and, 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 and everything, because, uh, you know, it's not that... And you mentioned earlier on uh, the National Health Service, because that came in in 1947. Mm. And I can remember my mother... Uh, whenever the doctor came out to my brother or myself, paying the doctor two and sixpence yeah. because that was the that was what the doctor had. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and coal, bread, and milk was all delivered by horse and cart. Yeah. Um, very, very, very few cars on the road. Yeah. My father, we had a car that was jacked up during the war. Um, one of the very few houses in the mm. road, that, and one of the very few houses in the road that had a telephone. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I mean, your great, great grandfather. Yeah. All this change has happened, but it's like us, isn't it? We don't, it it is. You take it for granted. You don't think about it too much until you start looking back. Until you you start looking back. Yeah. I mean, so much, I think, uh, it's difficult. I, I mean, I think that one of the greatest, obviously we can go down all kinds of inventions and Mm. I mean, even the motor car today is a totally different. Yeah. Uh, yeah animal to the one that yeah, yeah. was was built in the yeah. late 30s yeah um uh but you know i think medical advance and medical science is mm. quite incredible that, yeah uh, did did your great great grandfather get away from the, the that life or well in uh, when his son married um in uh about 1860, I think he's still listed as a sailor. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, so yes, yeah. and he did end his life as um, I can't remember the exact as a porter, but I think he was he was in some kind of um, home, right, and uh, was a gate porter or something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a nominal position, I think. Uh, you know, sort of to look after the elderly. Um, so how that's lovely. Mm. That's lovely.
Okay, so uh, welcome back. I just want to sort of finish the talk on the governor's Howard, but I just want to go in a roundabout sort of way with it. Um, and I just want to talk about the uh, the SATs and uh, that's the pressure that us head teachers are always under, are the dreaded SATs. And um, I know you've got a great story even when you was a, a chair of governors, um, probably really, well, I guess at the beginning of when SATs were, were, were first, when they when they were first um, uh, brought in, um, which has got to just be, was it 20, 20, 25 years ago? I mean, a long, long time, wasn't it? Yeah, longer long, than long, that. Long, yes. You know, really yes. a long time. Yes. Um, yeah, tell your story. Tell your story. Okay, fine. Well, actually, this this takes place in uh, must be about the mid eighties. Actually, I've just yeah. been trying to do some sums. Yeah, and I think well presets, but it was in the air that there was going to be testing to to do this, and Bromley thought they'd get ahead of the game, and so um, I, as chair of governors, I was totally unaware that this was going on. Mm. Now, either I've missed it or we weren't told. Yeah. Until uh, the head teacher, Christine Rivett, rang me up and said, oh, Howard, you're, you're likely to get a call from the Kentish Times this morning. I said, well, what's all this about? She said, well, we've come out as the top primary school in Bromley. And I said, you know, well, how does that happen? But I said, I'm very pleased. I've always thought it's a good school. And she said, well, it's based on our results for the for the children going up to uh, secondary school. And she said, what's happened is we've had two very bright young girls who have done very, very well, but they're the only children that have left this year. And um, one has gone to a super selective school and the other could have gone, but has gone to local comprehensive. Um, <clears throat> she said so, um, but they're going to be ringing you up. And I said that I thought this was a silly way to base uh, what's it. So when uh, a test or whatever you want to call it. So when the paper rang me up and the reporter said you, you must be very pleased and delighted i said well yes i said i am because down primary school is a very good school we have very good teachers but you must remember we're only a two-class school and each class covers three years i said uh it is very small and this year uh we had two very bright young girls who did very very well I said, this kind of report's not worth the paper it's written on because just wait until next year when my son and his friends go through to secondary school. <laughs> we'll be down at the bottom of the list then. <laughs> How did Dave take this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I told him. <laughs> but, but, but we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? And we were just saying, look what your son... And those boys have gone on to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They've, they've all become very good, uh, fulfilled their places in society, mm. uh, doing very worthwhile jobs. Uh, because I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting, but an important story that you've just, you've just said, because all that time ago, we're talking about like mid eighties or whenever it was, the sets are, 
nothing there's something that's not changed are the no. sats no and this um expectation of them and that uh i'm sure those i'm sure those the two girls have gone on to do great things as well but it doesn't mean anything it doesn't it doesn't say whether you are a failure or or a, or a uh, an academic whiz it doesn't matter because you've not lived half your life you, you you you've got your life to live and your life will tell you what path you're going to take and i mean i'm just saying you now i don't want to keep talking about your children but let's talk about dave look what he's achieved let's look at what he's achieved um i'll go back to mark twain mark twain says uh, he never allowed schooling to get in the way of his education yeah yeah, yeah. you could say the same thing about dave Absolutely, yes, yes. You know, I mean, he's he's gone on to be an intensive care paramedic in the New South Wales Ambulance Service. Yeah. He's worked on the helicopters. He's yep. been the dope on the rope for that. Yep. Uh, he's now doing a, a first responder uh, position mm. in which he only goes to Category 1 calls where mm. he backs up uh, existing teams who can't cope or need additional help or goes to major incidents, more or less. But, as, as but that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it is. he's gone on to save lives. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, may not pass <coughs> SATs. Sorry, Dave, if you're listening. Everyone, <laughs> everyone now knows you didn't pass SATs. But, uh, but that's the point, isn't it? I think, well, it is, it is. And just we were, we were laughing about this because one of his mates, another Dave, was <laughs> yeah. only on television the other day. He's, yeah. he's been a police constable for many years, yeah. doing an invaluable job. And how safe we all do feel <laughs> with, with Dave, with Dave. Dave H uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, running around yeah. doing his best so to protect that's us. That's good. But I think it's, 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 we come back to what you were saying about parental uh, support. And I mean, you know, it's essential during schooling, but it's essential during a child's life. And, you know, although now, and Jane will love this, that my uh, two of my children now are virtually in their 50s. Um, but don't look uh, it, right? Well, don't look it. No, no, no not no. at all. Um, but, uh, you know, I still in many ways feel responsible uh, for them and help them where I can. Mm. Uh, it's more, traffic's more the other way at the moment <laughs> with my help, but it's it's a case. But Rightly I think so. the whole point about SANS is far more important almost than the effect on the child. I think it's the judging of the school. If we go back to that silly little incident with, uh, with Down Primary School, mm. that mm. that reflects on the school. Yet those lads coming through mm. a year later had the same teachers, the same school, and yet it would be the bottom of the list. Yeah. Well, I don't say it was. I don't think Bromley actually did that. I think they might have. I don't think they did it the second year yeah. because it wasn't then compulsory. They'd yeah. done it as a trial. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, and I think that's the thing. And the other thing I worry about, sorry, I'm getting on a little bit of a hobby horse here, is that with the SATs, it's almost as if rather than, teaching the children subjects, you you could be concentrating on teaching them to answer the questions. And to me, while there might not seem much of a definition there, I think there is. No, no, you, you're, it's, uh, it's exactly what they're talking, all these years later, it's exactly what they're talking about now um, regarding, regarding the curriculum and how, and there's been some acknowledgement from Ofsted, and I don't know why Ofsted has acknowledged this, because at the end of the day, Ofsted only do what the government tell them to do in theory about yeah, what they're, yeah. they're going to look at. And there's some acknowledgement there that the curriculum has been narrowed, and it's been narrowed because of 
Pressure these expectations to, of, of from the Sats were sim- yeah, what to, at the time were based on reading, writing, maths, and science. Yeah. That said, there was a need for some assessment because science has been dropped from Sats for a number of years now. Really? Yeah, and you can tell where the science is held in the curriculum at school. It's not. It's not up there as it as, as it absolutely should be. And I do feel that is in part because now it's not in the sats and that needs to be redressed as well. What there has to be is a balance and no one's found that balance. You know, we talked earlier about, about the arts in the school, you know, when Mm. you was at school, you you didn't do any music. No, no. I mean, it's when you think about it, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Considering what you've gone on to, to to, to do. Yes. Yes. That's, that's yeah. yeah. And what I'm saying is, that is something that was in your that in your veins, music. Mm. It must have been, mm. you know, um, and a lot of children just need that nudge. Um, I I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life until I was well into my twenties, long, you know, well into my twenties. Um, and again, going back to Dave, you know, your son, he knew at a, at a point what he wanted to do but had to think about how is he going to get there yeah, because his school didn't absolutely. afford him that education. No. I'm not saying it's the fault of the school or anybody. I'm just saying. No, no, no. He, he, school didn't decide what he was going to do. He did. Mm. And there's so many young adults out there with that same problem now. And the SAT situation doesn't help because you either, we're not saying that, that like literacy and numeracy are not important. Of course they're important. You absolutely need some basic level. Um, but we're not all mathematicians. No, no, you know? no. And, and uh, there's no point in all of us or, being mathematicians. You know, or, or writers <laughs> that we're going to write these novels. No, we're, no, no. It's not going to happen. No, 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 no. Um, no, we need a balanced society, and that means a balanced education. Yeah. It does at all levels. The arts, the sciences, and, uh, you know, all of those, very important indeed. Howard, let's end it there. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Yes, it's been fun. And uh, we were sitting here thinking, oh, what if we end up not not talking to We certainly don't (laughs) want to say, but it's unlikely. It was unlikely. Uh, It's been great. Um, Okay. Thank thank you very much, Howard. Thank you. Right.